What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little bastard, it's business. Dead Meat. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an extension of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James. I'm Chelsea, and we're engaged, and we like to get scared together. This week, we are finally covering The Wicker Man. You have been wanting to do this for so long. Yes. I've been wanting to do this since we covered <laughs> the remake of The Wicker Man, and to get ready for that episode, I watched this original one, and... I just fell head over heels in love with it. I like to the point where I was pissed that we had to cover the sequel. Yeah. Or not the sequel, sorry, the remake. The 2006 after, yeah, Nicolas Cage. Like after going and finding this original one and watching it and just realizing like it it's so fucking good. <laughs> it is I mean it's in my top list of horror movies it's up there like this like watching it again for this episode just really sealed for me how much i love it it's just so everything i like in a horror movie and things i like from other movies that you don't normally get in a horror such as uh songs in a lot of songs movie songs being sung by characters which is very cool this is basically a musical it is it's yeah, I, you could argue it's a musical for I sure. I would argue it's a musical for sure. Ever since then, because you didn't watch the original with me, you no. had just seen the remake, and... Even, yeah, that whole episode, I just remember thinking, fuck, I wish we just were covering this original. I hate talking about this remake. This remake is bullshit. Just, you don't even... It's a very bad movie. It's very bad. It, it's the it's the Nicolas Cage, all oh, the bees. Because we even bees. determined at the end of that podcast, like, it's not worth watching. Just go watch the it's fun not, parts online. Yeah, if, you, if you're thinking, oh, shit, I've never seen The Wicker Man, the remake. The It's, it's supposed to be so funny and so bad it's funny. Just go watch a... Best of Nicolas Cage montage yeah. on YouTube. You don't need to the watch. The rest of it was not worth it, it's especially so... <sighs> because even the version we watched didn't have the iconic line. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! And similar thing happened with this. We we watched uh, a version that was missing some stuff that you were really sad was gone. Yeah, so, yeah, it's weird how both <laughs> both. Both Wicker Mans have like Wicker, Wicker's Man. Wicker's Men's the <laughs> the remake. Everyone, the thing everyone knows from it is the bees and his head in that cage and the mm-hmm. bees being dumped in there. That's not in the or like the. It's not in the version we watched. I forget now if that's the theatrical it's, cut. It's something where it's like the theatrical or like <laughs> there's some I don't fucking remember. But if you just go and watch the remake of the wicker man on like amazon or you stream it somewhere it's not gonna have the bees in it yeah that's fucked up and then we watched this original we rented it on amazon and it was the i believe the theatrical cut which comes in at like 89 minutes 90 minutes there are at least two other versions it sounds like there's yeah the director's cut i went down this rabbit hole last night yeah the director's cut which is 
100 minutes, so 10 minutes longer. Mm -hmm. And then the final cut version, which the director prefers, it's the preferred vision. which is the midway is 95 minutes. I determined the first time I watched this, I watched the final cut. Sounds like it because honestly, the, the stuff that you showed me, it's that song. What's it called? Gently Johnny. Yeah, and Ugh. that's four minutes on its own, so that's most of the difference between the yeah. version we watched and the final cut. Yeah, I think I think the final cut, that's the biggest thing that is put back in, and I know that's something that the, the um, director, Robin Hardy, was really upset that the studio cut out of the theatrical release. Gently, gently, gently Johnny, gently Johnny. I'll have no fury like a film nerd realizing they've the version that they are streaming online is a shitty like just cut up version that doesn't have the, the cool scenes you want to watch with your friends watching the wrong version of a movie is it sucks heartbreaking especially when it's I it was one I'm, I'm showing you guys yeah. and I'm it's getting towards the end of this movie it's we're in the third act it's like home run we're gonna see that fucking wicker man and I'm like where was that whole song? That should have happened. <laughs> I just started panicking and I started Googling the different edits and I, man, I was so sad. Well, now you know how I feel when I showed you Mallrats and it was the director's, <laughs> the director's cut, cut, which no one should ever watch. Yeah, it's not good. No. It's very boring. Yes. You don't got to add stuff back into that you, Sometimes you can leave the stuff out. Yeah. It's fine. But yeah, this movie has a, I was reading about the really <laughs> complicated murky past of this movie's like different versions and it's different home releases and the like you know fondly enough for a cult movie I guess the cult following this movie had especially just like enthusiasts who you know would make copies of it for other people because it was it was so hard to get a copy of this movie for a yeah, long cause time because it's British yeah, so, so especially for American audiences, that's going to be a, a problem in the pre-internet days. Yeah. You know, harder mm -hmm. to get stuff from overseas. And it's from 1973, which is a while back. And so British Lion was this film company. Um, and they, you know, they were all, you know, gung-ho to make Wicker Man. But it soon, that company soon was bought out by EMI. Um, and I guess like that buyout happened right as they were about to release Wicker Man, and so then I think they ran into issues with like, who, like how do we market this thing? Because it's <laughs> it's a very weird movie. They, I think the studio saw, you know, screenings of it, and they were like, we can't sell this. <laughs> like a lot of politics too. I was also reading about just what's going on in a seventies Britain, right? You know, it's fun to kind of look at when a movie comes out, what's going on at the time it's released, and what's influencing the film and. Especially what's causing this film to have so much trouble being marketed and released. Like, why is this film so specifically difficult? We're coming off of a cultural revolution, late 60s, and we're seeing an increased interest in the occult. They come from all over the world, and some of them asking for help. The majority of them are people asking for initiation. In England, we usually assign some of our witches to answer the letters for us if we can't do it and then take the person if they think they're sincere and talk to them about initiation and bringing them into the wicker. Because apparently, and I, I did not know this until today, in 19, I think 51, in Britain specifically, they repealed a law that like forbade witchcraft. 
to is like this super outdated. What year was that? 51. Okay. <laughs> I wrote down, I, I was reading an article about it. Um, oh, was it like an old It law? was from the 1700s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so they repealed this law. The reason was is because, you know, there's kind of this this increased like counterculture and they, they were like, this, this law is preventing people from just, you know, harmless shit where you know they're not hurting any as long as you're not exploiting anyone you can do whatever weird shit you want and so there's this like atmosphere of this renewed interest in the occult because of this law being <laughs> revealed um which i thought was so weird and but also in the early 70s we we talked about this a little bit on our um our episode about moral panics but in the 70s you have we have mary whitehouse that was her name Mary Whitehouse was a, this article compared her to Sergeant Howie, who's our main character in The Wicker Man. 1972, Mary Whitehouse goes on a, you know, a campaign against um, sex and violence in the media, especially sex. She's very concerned with, you know. She's not going to like this movie. No, no, no. Revolutionaries say across the world, they know the power of the television camera. In, in fact, I think it was Jerry Rubens who said that the television camera is the revolutionary's first weapon. And I think it, it's absolutely foolish to assume that those who, for one reason or another, want to change the nature of our society aren't going to use television uh, whenever the opportunity comes to them. She helps launch this nationwide petition for public decency. Um, in 1973, a petition is presented. It, it, they got like a million signatures on this thing. Everyone's very concerned about the the youth you know <laughs> and they, the influences especially after this wave of counterculture that all must have been very weird and scary to some people we saw that in america too but especially britain that leads right up into our video nasties era which is mm -hmm. kind of the 80s of we're making lists of banned films and we talk more about that in our moral panics but so that's where wicker man is is getting released to and you know we have this studio acquiring british line and they're like reading the room a little bit and thinking we can't market this people are very concerned with like capital c concerned about the the influence such imagery might have on the country of like the moral fabric of britain i thought that was really interesting yes and by imagery she means naked people oh there's a lot of titties and there's there's a lot of i guess it is just boobs yeah i some butts. Yeah, definitely butts. I'm trying to remember if in any there's of the no other dong, cuts. You, I don't there? think there's any. Mm -mm. Huh. You know what? The movie is so naked that I just I just imagined that there were dongs in there. Yeah, it's almost like the nudity in this because like the fact that we're kind of trying to remember, is there any male nudity in this? It kind of, to me, shows how weird the like gender stuff in this is because it's very it's almost like this pagan like mystical idea of like you know like blurred lines between gender like this isn't like very it doesn't feel exploitive like exploitive it's not super sexy yeah it's very it's frank. more like natural it's frank very frank like matter of fact nudity it's like naturalist naturalist yeah nudist. although i get you know Britt eklund and she and that whole that's scene. the that's, one exception i mean that's supposed to be that's yeah. supposed to make you feel that is a bond things. girl uh <laughs> by the way from the following years the Man with the Golden Gun, which, of course, features Christopher Lee. He has three nipples in that. That's all I know about that movie. That's all you know. A third nipple, sir. We should watch that just so you can see these just two. Just so again. I can see the nipples. Because I think that's one of the better movies. Oh, really? I was Googling it yesterday. It has, like, middling reviews. Uh, I, was, I thought that was interesting. Well, uh, you know what? 
I'll say it's probably one of the better Moore movies. Oh. Hmm, I I can name at least. He's the he's the Bond who's kind of old looking, he, right? The last movie he's in. Him with Grace Jones, yes, right? Yes, yeah, okay. That's another thing I know old. about James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Grace Jones fan. Um, But yeah, so basically what happens to those four movies after they shoot it. And by the way, Christopher Lee is a big reason this movie got me. Like he, he is a driving force behind this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's not just he's, an actor. Yeah, he helped come up with the idea. He helped, like he is you know all intents and purposes a producer like he helped get this thing made and he said that this was his finest work yes right? this is like the this is the thing in his career he has consistently said this is this is it because he had been doing hammer horror films up to this which are you know his dracula movies and which i love those are so i want to watch more of those um mm-hmm. but this I, he, he was like i want to do something totally different and this was his you know turn into something completely different yeah um but he believed in you know everyone it sounds like everyone who worked on this really believed in it and was like committed to the vision of this movie which is why it was so heartbreaking when the studio tries you know they're like we gotta you know hack this thing to bits we're cutting out the song gently johnny because we don't need it you know it's we're cutting it for time and we're cutting content out um and we are also making its second build to the film Don't Look Now, which is weird. We were just talking about that with Donald Sutherland. They, the studio barely promoted it at all. They really didn't bother to advertise it. Um, but people see this thing and it starts getting this word of mouth traction. People are like blown away by it, um, especially Americans. So they actually, Christopher Lee and Robin Hardy, who again is the director, they actually came to America in the, the 70s, like when this movie came out to talk about it and screen it. And I think that's when it starts getting more of a following too, is they start screening it specifically in America because they figure maybe it'll get a better reception here. And weirdly it does. You would think, and I, if you asked me before I read anything about this movie, I would have guessed America would be way more freaked out by this movie than than Britain because I think we have the idea of Europe being a bit more lax in terms of nudity, you know, just nudity and just you know, we're America is very Puritan. We're very afraid of naked. Well, I bodies. wonder if that that's I think that's more of a continental thing. I think that might be too. UK I think is is regarded as a bit more um, uptight mm-hmm. than the rest of especially Europe. going into this. We're going right into the video nasties era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was really bizarre. But they even said I was reading an interview with Robin Hardy. He said, "Yeah, we went to we screened this movie in the Bible Belt." And they would screen at him and Christopher Lee just road tripping around the American <laughs> South, which, God, if I could just, you know, that would be a cool, I would time travel to that and just hang out with them, you know, and just watch The Wicker Man over and over again <laughs> in like a church group. But they would screen it for church groups and like Bible studies and stuff. And they said that like Southern American Christians really took to this movie, which I thought was so weird and cool. And even though this movie is so sexed up, they were seemingly not bothered even by the Brecklin scene where she is. I mean, it's her body double, but she's very naked. Well, it's only her body double half the time. And oh, yeah. It's just, it was upper half. Yeah. That's Brit. She was pregnant while they were filming this. I guess mm. that's why. But I guess it's because this movie is as much as maybe if you haven't seen it recently or if you just have kind of a cursory understanding of it, you might think this is a horror movie where it's almost like the Christian, you know, the idea of like 
old gods overcoming the new or mm-hmm. like pagan versus Christian pagan or the good guys. Yeah, like it's a, or that yeah. it, this movie is just like objectively a celebration of these kind of like Wiccan or like traditional things or like yeah old religions or um like spiritual stuff but this movie's it's surprisingly even-handed and the way that it discusses christianity is also it almost has like as much awe of it as it does these kind of like old gods or this type of wiccan stuff well yes for anyone unfamiliar with the story of it yeah we should get into that a uh police officer from i believe uh he's from from scotland yeah i was looking i because i I was thrown off because the actor edward woodward is english i was i thought i was like but that doesn't make sense actually so i actually i looked up where the character's supposed to be from yeah he's he's scottish like he's so he's scottish and but he's traveling to an island off the west coast of scotland Mm -hmm. uh like a a isolated island that practices paganism and this guy is super uptight very christian is he oh is i mean that's also a big reason why i wanted to double check if he was supposed to be scottish or english i mean he's i think he's supposed to be catholic so, yeah, it's him uh, investigating a missing child, a missing teenage girl, and a 12-years-old adolescent girl. Mm-hmm. And so he's uh, run around this island and seeing a whole bunch of naked people and getting all offended. And then in the end, you know, he, he gets burned up in the giant wicker man by Christopher Lee. But we were talking about this before. I am not too surprised by Christian's thinking fondly of the movie because if that's your belief and you're watching this, the movie is not overtly saying it's not making any normative judgment of the characters or saying one is right and the other is wrong. If you're watching this as a Christian, you're watching a Christian main character who is traveling to this island and is holding steadfast in his beliefs and then is literally, they say it, is martyred at the end by these pagans. And that's like, that's the the great thing about as Christopher Lee is like condemning him to this mm-hmm. sacrifice. He's like, well, if if what you believe is right, then congratulations, you'll be a martyr. Yeah, I in this, I think this is from, I have all my sources for any research I did for this in the description, but I, I believe what I'm about to read is from a BFI article where they, you know, they interview uh, Robin Hardy. This is from like 2013, I think. But oh, wow. he he talks about his kind of like his own religious views and uh so basically i'll just read this passage because i think it's good um the wicker man was not a simplistic film which depicted counterculture free spirits as heroes and uptight authorities as fools lord summerisle trendily polo necked down with the kids he is wearing converse in one scene lord summerisle is christopher lee christopher lee yeah i'm sorry um he's down with the kids but still ultimately land owning gentry is out for his own ends his propagation of pagan belief a handy tool for the control of his island serfs we learn he's not actually actually a believer it is he just it works to his advantage to have everyone on this island believing in the old gods just worked out oh is that uh shown in the movie that he's not a true believer yeah we can talk about that scene but i i picked up the thing the thing is with the wicker man and the the different cuts also is the different cuts um sometimes i feel like this movie it's it gets a bit like incomprehensible not incomprehensible but it can be easy to miss details and like what exactly is going on. I mm-hmm. think in some of the longer versions, there's things that are more explicitly, you know, laid out and explained. But yeah, Lord Summer Isle is because he says his grandfather came to the island and real, you know, he 
realized I can farm all kinds of weird new strains of fruits and vegetables here. And he to, is talking about it from a scientific standpoint. Yeah, this there. is yeah. this is like objectively, it's like okay, I, so the soil here is super like special. I can grow all kinds of cool stuff here. Best way of accomplishing this, so it seemed to him, was to rouse the people from their apathy by giving them back their joyous old gods. And that as a result of this worship. Baron Island would burgeon and bring forth fruit in great abundance. I can get everyone to get super invested into harvesting and making this happen by like renewing an interest in the old gods. And when we see that this worship, oh, look, the worship of the old gods is bringing us this harvest. Then you have people who are going to buy into that and that, you know, continued harvest and like devotion to the gods and the belief in rituals is what's going to keep them going and motivated to keep working the land and working you know keeping up the summer isle estate is essentially what christopher lee says it's a, it's a tool for him to maintain okay. yeah. the island and to maintain their passion for harvest season and you know, thinking it's important to work the fields and stuff. Uh, pagans, this is back, to, sorry, this BFI thing. Uh, pagans might have more fun, but will sacrificing how he caused the crops to succeed or fail? It remains bleakly uncertain. All we've learned, perhaps, is that nature cannot be controlled. People can. With religion, a powerful means to an end. Don't trust anybody or believe in anything. In fact, it's all a huge, dark, existential joke. Hardy, an agnostic, describes himself as a student of comparative religion and has no particular sympathy for either side. And this is his quote, really, you pay your money and you take your choice. And I think that's such a cool thing about this movie. And it's something I also took away from, weirdly, Midsummer, which Midsummer feels like such a love letter to this. Midsummer is also a... You know, there's so much debate over is that is the ending of that? Am I is it happy? Who am I supposed to feel for here? It's kind of the same with this, where it's like, what am I? You know, it's yeah. No, I definitely am uh, with the director as far as the point of view goes. For uh, there's not really a good guy in this movie. There's because, not. Like yeah. yeah, the the cop is. You know, he's so <laughs> stuffy and judgmental to all these people. And he's like, your gods are wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm here representing the true God. You're in, you're all pagans and heathens. But then again, Christopher Lee is is murdering a man. Right. So, yeah, there's there's no good guys here. Yeah. And it's just so, yeah, we <laughs> fucking, what's all this then? The motion picture. <laughs> yes. Literally, as Miss Rose would doubtless say in her assiduous way, reproduction without sexual union. Oh, what is all this? Dude, there's one scene. It's when he first meets Lord Summerisle in the the theatrical cut, not in the final cut where he meets him earlier. But in the theatrical cut, he meets Lord Summerisle, and there is like a nuclear level just... What? Capital W, capital O, capital T. It's <laughs> really incredible. But yeah, it's like almost... I, I got such similar vibes with Midsummer, where it's just like... Okay, yeah, she has this new family who will, you know, she's smiling at the end. These are people who will cry with her. These are people who will feel with her the way that these other people she has in her life won't, but at what cost? And it's mm -hmm. the same kind of thing, you know, where it's like, pick your poison, right? The same yeah, kind of thing. Midsummer, very much. Oh, yes. <laughs> an uh, homage to this. And mm -hmm. Apostle, which we watched recently, is like the same plot. There, yeah, down to the it's a, there's a missing the person. missing yeah a missing young girl mm -hmm. right that he it's his, go it's yeah, his, sister, his sister and he goes to an island 
where there's a religious cult to look for. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, Apostle is just another yeah. take on this. It's so cool, like especially learning about the history of Wicker Man and its its release and it being just like buried by the studio and it being so hard to find any like version of it to watch. Period. Like the fact that it's become such an influence is kind of amazing actually one of the reasons we even have uh, a long version of it I think the the full like the longest version that exists um is because Roger Corman he was sent a screening <laughs> of it um because there are the negatives for this don't exist that like none of the oh, it's it, dude it sucks and Christopher Lee they are like they're convinced the studio got, you know, destroyed. Like, it's a whole thing. Um, it's a whole <laughs> rabbit hole you can go down if you want. Um, but, yeah, there's no negatives that exist of this. And by that, I mean, like, the original film is destroyed. Yeah. Like, anything we have now is a copy of Ugh. whatever. So, which really sucks. Um, but one of the reasons we have you know any copy at all of this long of the long one with like most of the you know all the stuff in there that the director originally wanted is because roger corman was sent a copy to review when it came out and he just hangs on to stuff you know <laughs> he's a he's a film buff and especially with this many boobs in it i right, dude. Yeah. this is right up his alley for his sure <laughs> yeah i'm also looking here at the roger corman print is where that's how we have gently johnny like or else that song oh, just wouldn't exist wow <laughs> yeah they're also apparently and this, this is how i know i watched the the second longest version and not the longest version is mm-hmm. the longest one has a whole opening before he goes to the island where it's him with all with his cop like not friends because they're dicks to him but <laughs> it's him when he gets the assignment are they dicks to him because he's so christian yes of course and actually it's interesting <laughs> that that longer version we have an opening scene where yeah one he gets the the assignment so he learns about rowan and this this island and two he overhears two of these other cops being like you know oh he's you know if any he's dating any girl like she's gonna spend longer on her knees in church than you know with him and just shit like just just you know fucking (laughs) lad cop shit (laughs) um but yeah they're they're so we we get in, we get it instantly confirmed that he's a virgin or that he's at least I sex see. averse and very, you know. Um, yeah, because pure. that's a necessary part of his yes, sacrifice at the end. He has to have gone there willingly, which I take issue with because they fucked with his plane. <laughs> he did fuck he with his plane. He tried to leave and they trapped him there. And they're like, you're here willingly. I mean, they did say, well, you I forget who there's like a guy with a fucking paddle bow. He can row you to the mainland, but it'll take you so everyone is you like he said like two weeks yeah oh yeah that's true yeah okay i don't think that's a real suggestion (laughs) but uh yeah he had to be willing and he had to be a virgin so yeah earlier when Britt eklund is trying to uh make him come hither Mm -hmm. and he doesn't if he if he had just slept with Britt eklund he'd be fine yeah you know but i think that's also why in just that theatrical cut they're like let's just get to that Brit Eklund song first. She tries to seduce him. He doesn't want it. It explains I don't believe in it before marriage. I'm, you know, pretty sure he's not married. At least, you know, I think I think it does an okay job. You get, oh yeah, what's sure. going on. Yeah, um, he literally says I don't believe in it before marriage. Yeah, and we don't have any evidence that he's married or you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, Brit Eklund is her voice is dubbed over mm-hmm. by two different women. One for the singing voice, who I wasn't familiar with. But did you notice who? 
dubbed her speaking oh, shit. voice. I bet Chelsea. this was I bet this was something I I had learned and then forgot. Fuck. Oh no. You did not bring this up and I just learned it right before we started rolling. Chitta. Food isn't everything in life, you know. Her speaking voice was dubbed over by Annie Ross, who we just saw in Basket Case 2. <gasps> Oh my god! Yes, Granny Ruth from Basket Case no 2 and way. 3. The little sex pistol as she was. Dude, is she the one who we were reading her Wikipedia like and she... Lenny Bruce Yeah, she dated Lenny Bruce and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And she was, uh, she dubbed over Brackland's voice. There's... Oh man, there's something about like you know how I think we've said like like Christopher Lee is one where you're like they don't make they don't make men like that anymore and they truly don't like you just can't you can't live a Christopher Lee level life you just can't that involves being drafted into like the Great War and yeah. like it just it like just a just war yeah it's not a thing it's not a thing uh there's like you know women like her age too where you read about them and their life is just they've dated all kinds of weird people and you know that they just had the craziest fucking time ever yeah. and wow you just can't help but be in awe of the- I know now I want to listen back to Bird Eklund's parts and hear her voice yeah that'll be that's weird that's incredible wow okay and I'm just assuming it was dubbed over because Bird Eklund uh I mean she's Swedish, Swedish yeah. so I'm assuming the accent was too heavy yeah I'm sure because I'm sure it's just because yeah it's supposed to be this yeah, tiny isolated. Scottish <laughs> island and then you got like the, the Swedish chef like it's just you know <laughs> Because is she have, is it, you know, is she just herself and Bond? I don't recall. And also on that note, uh, because I can't remember, I just want to say maybe Man with a Golden Gun isn't one of the better ones. I don't want any Bond fans being like, no, that, that one is shitty. Well, this isn't a Bond podcast. So. Yeah. I just know, you know, it's it's better than Moonraker and Diamonds Are Forever. It has to be. So don't Moonraker is. Shit. Yeah. Which which one's the one with like all the crazy underwater stuff, though? Are you thinking of uh, uh, Thunderball? I don't know. <laughs> that that spends two thirds of its move. That like, is the one time, I, I like, was like. Moonraker yeah. can't be bad. It's all underwater. No, it's not that one. No, it's thunder. This is how little I know about Jamie. <laughs> hey, want to talk to you about our sponsor this week? Hello Fresh. So let's say that you're a certain Lord Summer Isle and you maybe sacrifice a guy to guarantee that there's a good harvest next year only you know that that's not really actually real you're just doing it to kind of maintain control over your island and you realize that oops if you don't have a good harvest next year the people on your island might turn on you well maybe you could just order a subscription to HelloFresh and have fresh produce and food supplies delivered to your estate. And you can pretend it's from uh, some harvest god or the, the sun god or whatever. And then problem solved. HelloFresh meal kit delivery service. Fresh food and fresh ingredients delivered straight to you. James and I love HelloFresh. It makes cooking so much easier. Neither of us 
have the time to cook. I personally don't really have the desire to cook and I'm lucky I have a partner who does or else I don't even know what I would be eating day to day. But it's easy and right now it's safe. Anytime you can avoid going to the store, it's a good choice to do so. It's nice to get stuff delivered, especially fresh stuff. It can be hard to find fresh stuff that you know you don't have to go to the store to actually get. And it's sustainable too. You actually end up with less food waste because everything is pre-proportioned for you. And that not only makes cooking and prep easier, you don't end up buying too much of a single ingredient that you never end up using. And it's flexible too. You can change your delivery schedule really easily and pick what days you get everything delivered, which is nice. And you can skip a week whenever. They're great to work with. So if you want to try HelloFresh, you can go to hellofresh.com slash deadmeat90 and use code deadmeat90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. So again, that is hellofresh.com slash deadmeat90 and use code deadmeat90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. HelloFresh. What's your favorite song? Oh, I mean, I like so many. Gently Johnny's my favorite. Like the first time I watched it. What's your favorite song from the theatrical? (laughs) Um, oh, geez. Because the first song they hit us with is talking about how sexy the tavern keeper's daughter is. Um, I'm sorry, you're forgetting one of the best fucking bangers of all time. I am. Corn rigs and barley rigs and corn rigs are bonny. Corn rigs? Corn rigs and barley rigs and... Yeah. What are corn rigs? I think it's like, it's just like farm, you know, farming corn. Actually, I'm going to Google what a corn rig is. Because he's talking about corn rigs and barley rigs. And barley rigs. And then something about them being bonnie. They're bonnie. They're beautiful. What the? Bonnie? Yeah. Okay. It's very Scottish. Man. Yeah. Let me just, also while we're on. Watch this one with subtitles. Watch, yeah. Highly recommend to watch this. Especially you can read the lyrics and that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I'll say while we're talking about the music, all the music done by an Italian composer and songwriter. I I don't know how he does such an amazing job um, just capturing this. I mean, I'm not Scottish, so I can't say, but to me, I'm like, yes, this is authentic. <laughs> I'm such, I'm like a tourist watching this. You know, if you go somewhere and you're like, this is such authentic, like Chinese food or whatever. It's like, yeah, you would like, have no fucking Olive idea. Garden, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> that's you. I'm like, oh, this cuisine. is such authentic Scottish <laughs> folk music. <laughs> I'm finding like, do- okay, I think a corn rig is like a, it's like a ridge or, okay, it says a ridge or strip of growing barley or other grains. Are you sure that's not a barley rig? <laughs> I don't, dude, I don't know. I can't even, no, I can't, I can't go down this <laughs> Wikipedia because I'm just going to want to sit here and read about what barley rigs are. And that's the, <laughs> that is, that's not what people signed up for when they, <laughs> You're not like tuning into a horror podcast to listen to me read out the Wikipedia page of barley rigs and how barley is farmed. Well, they were just hearing about Bond movies. That, that can be for the, the Patreon podcast now. That can be for the Patreon. I'll just read about corn rigs. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, Paul Giovanni. I forget if I mentioned his his name. Yeah, he actually he's did. he's in the movie. He's one of the people playing instruments in the tavern. And I'm I'm not sure if it's him singing, but in in the movie he's singing gently, Johnny. Oh, okay. But I don't know if that's actually him. Oh no, it does say he. 
he did lyrics and he sings in the okay all right and he so, yeah, also the- he also sings corn rigs oh well there you go and, he's all over this oh cool so yeah the tap the landlord's daughter or whatever is the first <laughs> oh i love the landlord's diegetic song that's- and that's basically a whole tavern singing about how you should have sex with Britt Eklund. And when her name is mentioned, the parts of every gentleman do stand up at attention. <laughs> and she's standing there the whole time being like, that's me. That's her job. I mean, that's that's <laughs> actually part of the part of that Gently Johnny scene that's cut. That's what happens is Christopher Lee brings over who we can, is like a 14-year-old maybe boy. He looks young. He's a, he's a boy. And he brings him right. over and it's part, it's this ritual where Brett Eglund, I think, just takes the virginities of all the young men oh, yeah. on the island because he even says like, oh, another sacrifice to the goddess Aphrodite and he offers her this young boy. And so that's why I think they're all singing about fucking the landlord because like, yeah, that's her that's job. What <laughs> that's what she does. And then she has a song. I forget what it's called. It's just called, you- it's Willow's song. Please come say how do Willow song you said it was uh frequently covered yeah Willow song any song from this movie I think Willow song is the one where I personally have seen the most covers of it either on YouTube or just you know like folk artists will do covers of it Um, she's like knocking on the wall as part of the rhythm section yeah it's 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 so funny I actually was going through um this is like totally related I promise but I was going through so gorillas used to do this thing where they would take over like I I think it was iTunes like or or some like it might have been a Spotify thing I don't know some like big streaming service and they would do these like pirate radio things it was during plastic beach and they played willow song was on one of the playlists i oh. so i was going through it like a few months ago and was like very pleasantly surprised to see it there so i think that's the most known song from this is that this is a tune from one of my favorite films the wicker man mm. in this movie it was uh, it was actually sung by a lovely young chanteuse by the name of brit eklund I do miss England. There's the, the, what's the song with the kids? Oh, the Maypole song. We got the mouth harp and the, we're learning about the, um, you know, and and it's interesting that the song is kind of about the like cycle of birth, death. And on that bed, there was a girl. And on that girl, there was a man. And from that man, there was a seed. And from that seed, there was a boy. And from that boy, there was a man. And from that man, there was a grave. And from that grave, there grew a tree. And this is why Robin Hardy has said that Christians also took really well to this movie is using that parallel and and also discussing the resurrection and, um, you know, just the similarities and differences between those two beliefs like and reincarnation re- yeah, versus resurrection exactly yeah. is is really interesting and neat and how those beliefs are you know just what we think happens after we die and just outlooks on you know what we see as a sacred burial site or a graveyard they see as like the the nat the gross side of of death where they're like oh we you know it sucks that like a, gr- a a rotting body has to be part of this. The children find it far easier to picture reincarnation than resurrection. 
Those rotting bodies are a great stumbling block for the childish imagination. That's why they keep the bodies in the churchyard. Like, it's the part where it's the most clearly Christian, and it's just their weird. It's where they keep all the... It's like their, like, containment area for, like, any Christian influences left on that island. Yeah. It's kind of neat. But there's a, a rabbit in the... Well, she's not dead, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, he's there looking for Rowan, this missing girl, but um, he, as it turns out, he was, you know, their target the whole time, and she... he basically chases the rabbit down the rabbit hole. Oh, and, yeah, he's, that, yeah, he's chasing the rabbit, and... Um, she was never actually dead. Uh, he thinks they're going to sacrifice her. Because the year that she was the May Queen was a failed harvest. Their crops failed, yeah. Which, wa- which was legit. That did happen. Yeah. But apparently the solution to that is to sacrifice someone like him, mm-hmm. not to sacrifice the May Queen. And that's why she like leads him there too. She's like, come with me. Yeah. When that, he finds her at the That's end. when you know, when she's like, oh, Mr. Police. Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues. That's this also Basically this movie. This is, movie yeah. is extremely Mr. Police. I gave you all the clues, <laughs> but instead of that fucking little snowman, it's like Christopher Lee, like uh, in front of the Wicker Man. Um, but yeah, she's like, oh, you know, come this way, and man, that's you know, it's fucked. It was weird watching this after having watched the remake and Apostle and Midsummer. So it was like I knew everything that was happening. But I had never seen it before. It was a very strange yeah. experience. Uh, it, yeah, it's weird how because I I don't know why for some reason it, it didn't really hit home for me the first time. I think because there's just so much to take in the what we were debating earlier, and it it must be something that you know you blink and you miss it, or that maybe it's hard to kind of absorb the first time. Is that Christopher Lee is a non-believer? Like he's mm-hmm. he's using um you know the this belief system as a means to an end and man that makes the ending so much fucking scarier to me the fact that you know and how he knows that christopher lee doesn't believe this and (laughs) i love the way christopher lee plays it because it's it's he never uh lets his face reveal that he's at all concerned but you can kind of see yeah that he's he's like thinking like Shut the fuck up, Howie. Because especially as Howie, the the police officer, uh, I love that his last act as a fuck you to Christopher Lee is like, all right, hey, everyone who's doing this to me right now, if they fail again, you're going to need a bigger sacrifice and you got to go after this guy. And you take, like Christopher Lee is just like, might have made some mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> May- it's, it's maybe like made some face. mistakes. Yeah, just the fact that, what, yeah, which I love too. And yeah, you totally can see. It's like, you know, it's like when you see someone smiling, but it doesn't reach their eyes. It's the same kind of, you can see, you can start to see him realize, oh man, this might end really poorly. Yeah, because he's still fronting as like, no, the the crops will be fine. Yeah. And like, this is, no, no need for that. But he know like, we're all thinking and he's thinking, Oh fuck! Next year, if that happens, they're gonna remember it's this. It's such huh? a good, yeah. It's such a good. Oh, I love That's that. That's why I said I want to see like a shitty early '90s sequel to The Wicker Man, <laughs> yes. where it's the next year and the crops have failed again, and Lord Summerisle is like the protagonist now as the rest of the Dude, town cr- tries to hunt him down. And then they like can't get Paul Giovanni to do music for some reason, and Christopher Lee's like, "I do metal now, and yes, I'll it's do just the a music." Black metal, fucking, <laughs> it's great. God, I'm, I'm, 
Really Con- miss Christopher Lee. I know. Continuing with the songs then, there's a fertility song with a bunch of... Oh, uh, is it the ladies jumping over the fire? The topless ladies jumping over the fire. Yeah. And that's when... Because that's right before we meet Lord Summerall for the first time in the theatrical <laughs> version where he explains, you know... <laughs> This is when he the the how he drops the biggest watch of all time. But Christopher Lee is like, are you not refreshed by the sight of young people enjoying themselves? And how he's just like, no, I am not refreshed. And just oh, he's so- he's like, why aren't they wearing clothes? And Christopher Lee's like, will it be dangerous to jump through fire with clothes on? Yeah, and just him. <laughs> Christopher Lee calmly explaining we're a very religious people and Howie who just can't like he's like no what you're not religious but but they are are naked his brain absolutely breaking in this scene it's just oh poor Howie (laughs) Uh, Christopher Lee sings a little little ditty oh my god and it's I it's I edited that into our other Wicker Man <laughs> podcast just because I could because we also had a minute in that just dedicated to Christopher Lee. Oh, that's and right. How he did a hundred percent achievement. He hundred percent in life. He and if you need to hear it, yeah. why and just how, go, go listen to the the other Wicker Man podcast. Fuck. Um. But yeah, he sings with his like partner, and I I don't think they're. I just can't see them being married, and I'm just assuming they're you know partners in this him and the school teacher yeah you know i'm gonna be honest i had a hard time telling her apart from the other what a librarian or something and i honestly almost would have if it, if it weren't for brett eklund being brett brett eklund sure yeah i would have had a hard time telling all those blonde ladies apart yeah yeah they're at very... the end they're all standing next to each other and i was like there's more than one yeah this movie has a type you're like if, if if a movie can have a type, this one has a type for sure, and it's very Swedish blonde women. Um, but yeah, he's like he's playing the piano and singing this song, and that fucking just that that, that voice. Sam H says he, your kettle's cracked. The cause is plainly told. There has so many nails been drove. Mine own could not take hold. But we do, yeah, you can tell when he's playing the piano that, yeah, he's wearing a kilt. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there thinking, do we get to see the, I forget if we see like a long shot and we get to see the kilt. And I really hope we do. And we do. We get a nice like wide shot and it's Christopher Lee just looking really, really good in that kilt. And then I can't remember if there were any other songs before the end. I mean, there's some like, you know, I think some instrumental stuff. Yeah. Um. But I mean, all these other songs are characters breaking Singing, out into yeah. song. It's wonderful. I yeah. It's such a, like, that was what I, because I had no idea going into watching this the first time. All I knew was it's it's what this remake's based on, and there's the big Wicker Man at the end, and Christopher mm. Lee's in it. Great. And the fact that there were, all of a sudden, there's songs, in, and I thought, okay, we're getting this tavern song, The Landlords. I'm like, okay, I could see tavern that being songs, a, yeah. Thing, okay, but then there just, there were just more songs. Brit like Brit singing, yes. yeah. And it, was, it just, oh, just realizing what this was was very, very <laughs> exciting, and that's when I just, I just fell so hard in so, love yeah, with this. So, yeah, do you have a favorite song? Um. Oh, yeah, from the theater. I mean, Willow's song is so good. I, I would say it's, Willow's song. It's so yeah. good. Especially with her thumping on the wall, mm-hmm. and that's the the drum beat in the song, and it's oh, it's just so good. Yeah, yeah, and it's so mystical. Like it's it just I don't know. It's it's like such a fairy tale the way she sings it. Like she sings about how she's a young maid and she's young and fair. And what I think is cool too, and what I appreciated more the second time, and it's stuff that I'm glad to see. I think 
yeah, would have been in this original cut was like, you also get the emphasis of ritual, not only with the pagan stuff. I mean, that's all very obvious. The whole thing is how he just, he's like, he's Flanders in that gif of him with the two the two ladies, or not Flanders, I'm sorry, um, Smithers. That's him this whole movie. But it's, it's, so he's, you know, he's overwhelmed by ritual this whole time. But then we get to see um, some like flashbacks of him in church and we see him leading mass and specifically the part of mass that he's leading is communion, which is the weirdest part of you know Catholicism, yeah, especially transmutation. Yeah, and I I love that it that I just something that just kind of like slipped by me again. Lot to take in this movie, but you know being able to watch it again, I just thought it's such a deliberate choice to see how he specifically leading the weirdest Catholic ritual. And specifically Catholic because, yeah, like you just mentioned in Catholicism. Well, it's the most, uh, by weirdest, it's like the most supernatural. Yes, it's it's the most mystical and the most, yeah, otherworldly and the most magical. Like, it straight up is magic. It's, you know, and I mean, fucking, that's why, you know, that's one of the biggest differences between Catholicism and, and Protestantism is in Catholicism, when you are doing communion and you say, this is my body, it literally is. Mm. It transforms. You are doing magic. Like he, how he's holding the bread and doing fucking magic. <laughs> like just, and th- I think that's such a cool touch to like the thing we see him doing in his past before he comes here is this part of Catholicism that is genuinely very creepy and you know, it is also the part of Catholicism that involves sacrifice. It involves kill, you know, the, the murder of a person to guarantee um, entry into heaven or guarantee salvation. And further and, life, eternal life. And, it, yeah. and, you know, it's so it's it's I love like the focus on that specifically because it's like. Yeah, the, the idea that Jesus is like equivalent to him, you know, he's eating his body, he's eating his, he's transforming bread into literal body and wine into literal blood and consuming those things Mm -hmm. to gain entry into heaven and to have his souls. It's it's a And I guess that's uh, kind of similar to like with the Maypole song, how it's singing about how people's bodies literally become food and sustenance for other people. Yeah. And yeah. that those parallels are why again, and they all and, they, and those parallels come to a crashing head in that final scene because Christopher Lee and the the island folk are singing their pagan rituals while at the same time Howie is uh, reciting. I saw Psalm twenty three. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, yeah fuck, so it's, so it's so just good. them singing. The Lord is my shepherd. up to to him realizing he's gonna be sacrificed he is yeah he is put in the the christ position he is gonna be the martyr you know it's him screaming at everyone none of this is real like words coming out of his mouth specifically such a a catholic guy who as catholics it's like you place belief in ritual and its symbols and stuff and magic like catholicism has all kinds of weird stuff other sects of christianity don't and it's like this guy who 
you know, we see buys into the idea of like certain objects are sacred and certain like just everything is so imbued with power and magic and otherworldliness then yelling it's just like none of this is real none of this is gonna you know it's just it's I don't know it's it's very chilling almost to hear this man of faith like yelling you know who we know believes so much in this equally bizarre series of rituals and and beliefs and that finally coming out of his mouth and him realizing like Everyone on the island is just as bought into their beliefs as you are to yours. You can't, you look like nothing could shake his faith. We see mm-hmm. that. He is like, we see him in the wicker man. He's praying. He still believes in God. He doesn't believe, um, you know, even though this is happening to him, his belief isn't shaken. He's a man of faith to the end. And it's just the, the horror maybe of him realizing everyone here is just as faithful as me and there's nothing I can do about it. And that's so scary. Yeah. Can we just talk about how, even though I'd already seen this and like, it's the thing, you know, it's the thing, you know, if you know the wicker man is there's going to be a fucking wicker man and mm-hmm. it's going to get burnt. But like the, and like, I think this whole sequence is just like God tier horror. It is like top tier filmmaking in that it is such a scary moment and it's not a jump. It's not a a tip. You know, it's not what you would think is like a, you know, traditional horror movie scare. But like the cut where we see him, we see Howie and he yells, Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! And it cuts to the it's the first time you see it that whole like sequence him yelling his delivery of that oh line God, no, like sends no. chills down my spine yeah and him his eyes when he sees it before we do and the cut to, it's like it's still like it i don't know i'm like chilled by it i'm like <laughs> i'm like getting goosebumps just thinking about it it's such a good it's still scary. Yeah. The the last shot was what I found super awesome because, yeah, they, they were talking about the sun and the god of the sun and everything, and somehow they just have this last shot where it's the, the head of this giant wicker man burning, and then it falls, and behind it is the sun uh, setting at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good... It's and then so just the good. end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fuck, it's such powerful filmmaking. And if you also, yeah, that shot of the sun when you think like, oh, they're offering him to the sun god and you think like, you know, Robin Hardy has said he he's coming at this movie from like a pretty agnostic point of view. There's also something about the sun is like this uncaring, you know, ultimately it's this, un- you know, the sun doesn't give a shit. It's just, it's the sun and the idea of just this, so much meaning and so much loss put into this moment for a thing that even though these people believe there's a sun god ultimately it's just this uncaring unfeeling object and that's the last thing you see and that also just really is spooky to me yeah yeah something about that just like yeah this the uncaring universe i guess (laughs) yeah god i love this movie um Christopher Lee is dressed as a lady in the Oh yeah, parade. we should talk about the yeah, the <laughs> Yeah, the lead up to the 
the whole sequence at the end because it's their May Day celebration and they keep warning him like you better get out of here before we do or else you're going to be extra are you offended he you're going to tries and his plane doesn't work that's yeah that's right <laughs> so he he yeah it's so he's like there's going to be too many boobies i need to get out of here he's trying to get away from the boobs he's trying to yeah again he is smithers backed into the corner by dancing ladies it's too much um but the May Day celebrations, and that's when he, because he kind of goes to their library and reads about May Day stuff. Again, we gotta love our horror movie library research it's montage. It's a staple. So he learns all about the tradition of May Day and how there's there's always the um, leading this procession to what ultimately is like the sacrifice at the end of the the. Uh, festival you have the it's they phrase it's like the man woman i think they phrase it mm-hmm. as the um man horse the hobby horse the man horse and the man fool yeah a man animal or hobby horse who canters at the head of the procession charging at the girls a man woman the sinister teaser played by the community leader or priest and a man fool punch most complex of all the symbolic figures the privileged simpleton and king for a day something i just i really love about christopher lee coming like helping to come up with this movie and being like yes i will be the man woman leading the procession what's the matter with you mcgregor do you call that dancing cut some capers man he's like into it and he's chiding howie who is dressed as the fool he i mean he knows at that point it is howie because it's all set it's up it's a great twist but he's yeah. just like you call that dancing like he just wants everything to be up to his standards like he cares so much about how good everyone's dancing and everyone trying their best (laughs) and he just has this really long wig on and very pale makeup on and he's like very just straight faced like he's very he's dancing so serious he is yeah and it's so funny (laughs) He's very precise in his his kicks and his yeah. his arm movements. It's oh great. Oh gosh, he's so good. I just I. He's just this six five guy dressed up like a lady dancing down the road. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> with like a sickle, I think, in one yeah. or a scythe. Like, oh, it's so so fun. I do love the little ritual before the actual sacrifice, where it's that horrible cursed version of musical chairs. Oh yeah, with the, uh, the swords. swords making up. Pentagram or I, or like a six sided. Someone star will yell at me. It's not a pentagram. Like yeah, I've made that right. mistake on the podcast. They before. make a star. They make a star of some shape. Shape <laughs> with I don't remember how many points the star has. Is that? But good? they're all like linked together with a, a hole in the middle, and then people pop their head up, and then the music keeps going. They they keep going, and then when the music stops, they close the swords. Yeah, and it chops whoever's in, it chops their head off. But it was just the a costume it's head a, of a yeah, little girl. It's all a bit. It's, yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a great But thing, it is though. terrifying. I want to see a, a horror movie where that's done for reals. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If you are interested in this movie, and I hope, I'm just realizing, I hope this episode was listenable. Well, we didn't go through the plot, but that's fine. Go watch the movie. And yeah. And listen to the episode and but hear all the other stuff. Recapping the plot of this would yeah. be awful to listen to. Just go watch it. Because, again, it's this plot is you know you explain it the wrong way and it's basically incomprehensible there's just a lot going on um but yeah if you want to seek it out try and find the final the final cut which should be about 95 minutes it's about yeah yeah 
Although That's another cool thing. Nice breezy. That's the hour other and thing. A half. Yep. I need pretty much all versions of it. You know, it's still like under two hours. Love it. Yeah. And it feels longer, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but in a way where just the scale of the story it gives you and just like the emotional, you know, peaks that it hits. It's it feels like it should be a longer movie, and it's impressive that. It does that much with the time that it has. and Yeah. And if you're into folk music at all, like 60s and early 70s folk music, yes. you're in for a treat. I would say, and again, it's funny. People have you know, thought I would be into The Love Witch, and I very much did not like that. Yeah, but this, that movie. this is like the era of filmmaking, this kind of like weird occult mm-hmm. early 70s. Like if you like The Love Witch and you want to actually watch something that is that kind of vibe, mm-hmm. this is a movie that I would say is in that kind of yeah. You'll probably enjoy zone. It. Not it's not as highly designed. I don't think as The Love Witch. I mean, few movies actually are, but it's still just yeah. The preoccupation with witchcraft and just creepy shit. More nudity, if you can believe it. Yes, definitely. Although Love Witch had plenty. Mm-hmm. Lots of nudity in this. This is a, and I said this on Twitter, but I'll just say it again here. This is to paraphrase We Hate Movies. This is a, what are you watching movie? Where if someone walks in, they're going to be confused. (laughs) Just a heads up. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, I hope this episode is listenable at all. I just got very excited about like learning about just the, the story behind this movie and its release and just what a struggle it was to have it even exist at all and now here we are this many years later and it's so influential and like such a although i will say it is a bummer when i mention this movie and people only know they only know the nicholas i think i i will say like among horror fans this original is beloved and and rightfully so but i think generally people just know that remake they don't know about this at all really sad well that's why we're here yeah, show the original to your friends and we did. The Gressels, yeah, they live. They with live us with and, us. It's yeah. all cool. We're not having. Yeah, we're cool. But, but yeah, they enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week with mm-hmm. another episode of sorts. And uh, in the meantime, you can follow Dead Meat on social media at Dead Meat James on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Carebex C A R E V E C C. On Twitter and Instagram. And if you want merch, deadmeatstore.com. Yeah. And feel free to email suggestions and feedback to deadmeatpod at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm James. I'm Chelsea. This has been the Dead Meat Podcast. And corn rigs are bunny. Do, 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 do